Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Listening to Into the Valley, a Phoenix Suns podcast, a part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, into the Valley. I am Ethan Chutch, joined as always by Philip Russell and a special birthday boy, Ryan Shutt. Gentlemen, how are we doing on this beautiful day of Ryan's birth? More importantly, Devin Booker's birth. That's true. Your birthday did get trumped even within our small Phoenix Suns podcast network atmosphere. Like, that's tough. You're not. No. Nope. If, if listeners ever wondered why we had such a close relationship with the team and got the information we did, it's because of our birthday bond. That makes the most sense. Philip, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm loyal. Booker can kick rocks compared to Ryan. True. So. Thanks, my guy. True. True. Devin Booker's never showed up for my birthday party to watch me eat wings. <laughs> True. Until, he, until he does that, until he does that, he's not going to be there. But guys, um, we have some some pretty exciting things to talk about in terms of Phoenix Suns stuff. But before we get there, Ryan doesn't seem to like the idea of this next segment, but I wrote it in the show notes, and that's basically the law. We're going to go ahead and turn the microphone permanently over to Ryan Nicholas Shutt on his day of birth, October 30th. And he's going to give us a birthday boy speech. You can talk sons. You can talk to our listeners. You can talk to whoever you want to. But Ryan, the mic is yours. I uh, I don't have much to say. I hate that you're giving me this opportunity. However, you did say turning it over permanently to me. And that is now on the record. So this is, look at me. I'm the captain now. This is my show now, okay? Uh, no, I just want to, I just want to put good vibes out there. You know, it's the birthday day. I've, I've felt lots of love, lots of appreciation directed towards me. Uh, I just want to reciprocate that out into the universe and love back, but it's been a good weekend. I mean, the suns are, in my opinion, outperforming where I thought we'd be this early in the season. The Minnesota Vikings have the second best record in football and are looking solid. I'm sorry, our friends in, in Arizona this weekend, but, uh, the cards might need to say bye to old Cliff Kingsbury. It is a Call of Duty weekend, so at least you have an excuse. Kyler's probably on the sticks uh, rather than hitting the uh, the film. That's why um, DeAndre Ayton has an injury this week. Sorry, go ahead. UK had a bye week this week, so you know we, we didn't have to watch anything there. Uh, so the vibes are good right now. I'm enjoying the birthday weekend. There's been lots of love, and I get to spend the the closing the closing hours of of my birthday uh with with my two best boys and so i'm just i'm thrilled to be here uh i appreciate the love guys y'all y'all know how to make a fellow feel special 
We love you too, my guy. And you're also sharing this birthday with a whole lot of listeners. So think about that. It's pretty crazy. They're listening and saying, wow, happy birthday, Ryan. You're Mm. getting birthday wishes from who knows where, man. Who knows where. I can feel it. I can feel it. I just want you to feel loved right now. I appreciate that. How often do you get a birthday? That one I have an answer once a year. How often do you have it happen on the night we're recording? I mean, it's kind of up to us. Who knows? It's it's not frequently. I don't think so. Who knows? Who knows? Philip, I want to go ahead and go ahead and uh, pass the mic over to you as we shift into Phoenix Suns land. And for our listeners, since the last time we recorded, the Phoenix Suns have won three straight. We are recording at 8.30 p.m. Sunday evening in the middle of the first quarter, if not second by now, of the Rockets game. So we'll touch on that one next episode. But, Philip, I, I believe you had a prediction about this past week and how the Suns would do. Do you want to start by uh, letting us know how that went for you? Yeah, I predicted the Suns would go one and two this week, and that's why I don't bet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the Suns, the Suns are obviously— my <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't be an idiot. There's a proverb, a fool and his money are soon departed, and I'm very willing to admit I'm an idiot. So uh, I don't I don't bet. Uh, the Suns are playing great, but we're kind of – it's kind of bland that it's only a three-game win streak so far. It's like win 16 more in our own, then we'll be talking. That's true. We'll last to, last uh, season last really set the expectations streak. a bit high. Yeah. But no, yeah, we – Ryan and Phillip went one and two on the predictions for the upcoming week. I had two and one. Uh, the only thing I feel a little good about was calling the Clippers game kind of going the way it did. Uh, they made me look good there. I do appreciate it. But the Suns are looking like they're figuring stuff out. Uh, I don't think any of us really overreacted to week one, the the early troubles against Dallas, the the disappointing end to the Portland game. But we definitely saw some some small cracks in terms of the depth, in terms of guys trying to figure out stuff with other players they've never played with. And it does seem like the team is gelling well. Um, And honestly, a little faster than expected, kind of like Ryan said, since we last recorded, the Suns took care of business, beating the Clippers 112 to 95. That game wasn't close. The Suns then followed it up with a very exciting and fun game against the Warriors. Suns won 134 to 105. It wasn't that big of a blowout. Watching the game, it was a lot closer for a, for a good long bit. The Clay Thompson ejection, everything that came from that, absolutely added to the entertainment value. And then the Suns kind of just went to town in the second half. Then they followed it up with a win against a, I would say, a injury ridden Pelicans. They were missing Brandon Ingram. They were missing Zion. They were missing Herb Jones, I believe. Uh, so not them at their full strength. They still put up a good fight. But the Suns won 124-111. to 111. So 3-0 and for the week. Wanted to go ahead and birthday boy. What was your one big kind of initial takeaway after watching these three games other than the Clay Thompson ejection? Because I know that's an easy pick. Yeah, no, that was that was super fun. Uh, and for those who don't know, I'm I'm on the East Coast. So obviously I'm not frequently staying up to watch all four quarters of these games. A lot of times I'm watching first half, maybe catching the next half the next day on recording. The the Golden State one had me invested from the get-go. It was a fun game. 
the Clay Thompson ejection going back and forth with with, with Book was just uh, exciting, and that that got me into it. Uh, but my big takeaway is we played three very strong teams who aren't the teams that we're going to see when we play them again months from now. I think all three of these teams have deep playoff potential, and, and I mean that even for New Orleans. I think New Orleans showed us what they were about in the playoffs last year. I think they've gotten better this offseason with Zion coming back. So take these wins with a grain of salt. They're great wins, especially if you're looking at the box score. They're very, I mean, you got a 17-point win, a 29-point win, and a 13-point win. All great wins. Take them for what they are. They're good early season wins, but the teams that we beat aren't the teams they're going to be by the time January rolls around. So I enjoyed the week. Um, I enjoyed the competition. I thought all three games were played at a really high level and were fun to watch. Um, But I'm I'm holding holding any major opinions to, to a little deeper in the season at this point. No, I think I think you're spot on there. I think some of them were missing players due to injury. Some of them were missing players due to recovering injuries and minutes restrictions. And then we have Clay Thompson. I would say the only yeah, the only team at this point whose identity we fully know is the Lakers. Right. Everybody (laughs) else is kind of kind of, uh, you know, getting it together. The Lakers are the only one we can officially write off. They're done. They're toast. They're smoked. Get them out of here. Move on. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in waiting to judge the Warriors, especially until late in the season. I'm pretty sure it was during the Suns game when Steve Kerr had the the between quarters interview about their young guys. And he said, I'm happy with what our young guys are doing, but they're young, which is to say they make really dumb mistakes, which means they foul enough in a game early in the season to let the Phoenix Suns of all teams double them up from the free throw line in free throws attempted. So a team like the Warriors who are very intentionally riding with guys who might not even be part of their playoff rotation down the line, like you would expect growing pains from a team like there. So one of the things I wrote in my notes for this week, Ryan is Tuesday, January 10th and Monday, March 13th will be very good days for Mm -hmm. the Suns to see how they match up, not to the early season Warriors, but to the middle of the season Warriors and then end of season Warriors, when guys like Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody have time, and then you would assume at that point Dante DiVincenzo is back and he's fully incorporated, and you're going to see a Warriors team that's more like what they're going to be in the playoffs, and those will be great, great days for Suns fans. I agree yeah. completely. Well, Philip, what about you? What, what stood out to you in these uh, three games this week? Uh, Devin Booker's really good. Boy, is he. And he is, I'm going to say this carefully because, hey, man, if you're looking for overreactions to three games in October, you're in the wrong place. But he is playing pretty much at the level that he needs to play at for the Suns to be incredibly dangerous, which is to say he's playing as one of the top players in the league right now in a variety of ways. And we can get to some of the stuff that we really like later. And I don't think I'm going to touch on this guy in our last segment. So I'm just going to throw him out here. Tory Craig, man, huge. He's shooting. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on one of your guys's, but he's shooting 50% from three this year on two and a half attempts per game. Last season, he was now it's early, but he shot 32% on more attempts So he's making more threes or he's making threes at a higher clip right now on fewer attempts per game. And if he's making even 10% worse 
three-pointers, I mean, what more are you going to want? Because his his hustle is never going to be a question. His offensive and defensive rebounding are always going to be there. And if that dude's knocking down threes, oh, baby. And I'm just I'm just happy for him because the Tory we were so excited to get Tory Craig back last year after we pulled him around the trade deadline because of what he did his first stint in Phoenix and we were like if we get any of that back he's going to be a great piece to have for that playoff push and he just never showed up and I don't know what it was but it was the weirdest thing so the fact that we're getting that Tory Craig again and he's hitting shots and to your point he always works hard that was one of the things we constantly praised him for in that first stint here in Phoenix like I'm just happy that he's got his mojo back or whatever it is that was lacking uh but you just love it for the guy when they're in campaign. I kind of feel the same way with Cam, who, who he's found some of that old self again that made them what they needed to be in Phoenix to make the team special. Hey, Ethan, hey, what's that out to you, man? No, I thought I thought the the big thing was the the gelling of our our depth. I thought the bench did really well. Uh, I don't want to go too into the Pelicans game because I've got some more stuff on that later. But the Pelicans game is an example where Chris Paul's not playing well. Devin Booker's not playing that well. Just in terms of getting the shot to fall, Aiton gets injured early, and we got carried. And I know everyone's going to go to the McHale stat line, but there were a lot of great stat lines going down that box score just from guys who were getting that small increase of minutes who were putting together early chemistry between Campaign and Jock Landell an added thing that hopefully people are noticing Landry Shamit's playmaking developing as well. The ability to probe within the paint, either to the alley-oop, whether to the kick out, like you're seeing a lot of guys get that confidence. Tori's on my list for that as well. And I think as we talked a lot about Jay Crowder's absence and how it would benefit Camp Johnson, I think it was an oversight for us to not realize what effect it could have for Tori Craig. Cause Tori Craig is now able to play in a role similar to where he found that success early on with that first stint. When he came back, that role in essence had been filled by other people kind of stepping up in while he was gone. And so he just didn't have a natural fit. There were a lot of moving parts with Jay gone. I think it has left a pretty good sized opening for Tori to come in him and cam Johnson. That is a pretty good pairing in terms of where one excels and the other one doesn't. One's a better facilitator and creator and shooter. One defensively, I think, has probably got the leg up. But you've always got kind of a good, solid piece in that more traditional four role. Um, but I've I've been really happy. And Bismack, I, I don't, I wasn't going to touch on him later, but I loved seeing how ready he was to come in and play big minutes in the New Orleans game. One small note: this was in like an honorable mention for my just so you knows. The one thing about Bismack that I think is really interesting is when he comes in, he kind of gets, I, what? oh, I'm blanking on the word, preference almost with every defensive rebound. Even when DA is in, because he gets spaced a little bit more to the perimeter, you're seeing a Chris, a Book, a Mikhail, a Cam get that rebound on defense so they can break. When Busy is in there, he doesn't leave the paint. I mean, he's playing a drop a lot of times and he is always the one getting that defensive rebound and it did kind of affect our fast break to some extent so I do think that's interesting and I think it shows why Jock Landale is a really really good piece to have just because I think he is showing that he can do a lot of things comfortably that Bismack can't and kind of vice versa so you've got a really good double backup center role who do very different things 
I think last year, the problem with JaVale and Busy was that Busy was exceeding in ways that we thought JaVale should be. And there wasn't really a one-two counterpunch there from the backup five. So a lot of things just clicking, and I like it. I think Monty's rotations, he's figuring out who works well together. Uh, and the team the team seems to like each other, which has been a, a kind of a hallmark of the Suns over the last few years. They enjoy playing together. You see it in the warm-ups. You see it on the court. Uh, you see it during the Clay Thompson beef. A lot of good stuff this week. Uh, I, I think you guys have nailed it. Can't read too much into the on-court from the opponents. Can't assume too much about the Suns on-court. But you can at least enjoy the little things you're starting to see. So I, I love it. I think it was a good week. Um, with that in mind, what we always do uh, every episode is we recap the week in a very creative way that you may have never thought of or heard of. Uh, and we as a group like to go around and share our highs, our lows, and our just so you knows in Phoenix Suns basketball. Now, I think we've all almost at this point mentioned a, I want to say this because I'm not going to hit it later. So I feel like everyone's well prepped for this. Hopefully we don't have any uh, any crossover here, but... I'm going to I'm not going to let it go in honor of a special big boy's birthday. <laughs> so stupid. Ryan, you get to go first on all categories today. Excellent. Starting with the high, which, by the way, do you know what my high is for this podcast episode? Is, is it my birthday? It's your birthday. All right, buddy. What <laughs> you, you got? My high is Jock Dale. I have just been so impressed by him um, performance wise, team chemistry wise. On He's Twitter, just seems- on Twitter. Yes, on Twitter. Good social. The, yep. The dude, the dude just he fits the culture of the team so well. You can tell the way he's being embraced by guys like Mikhail and Cam, the way they're joking around, the way they're making fun of nicknames that they're making for each other. But he's performing too. I, I I've readily admit I I knew very little about his game when when we got him. Um, I was excited to have another big. I was excited to see where he fit. But I mean, even just looking at the five games so far and just 16, averaging 16 minutes a game, he's averaging about nine and a half and five a game with almost a block a game. The dude brings value. Uh, and when you have a guy who brings value, but also fits the cultural piece of the team and, and um, just the overall shared uh, fit, I guess, uh, of what. Monty and and James Jones have have facilitated so far. Like I love the guy. I've been so impressed with him, and, and the fact that we got him for what we did um, is just to me. He's one of the best value guys on the team at this point, uh, and I, I love it. He is he's by far my high this week. Very rare when the Spurs take an L in terms of player evaluation or player and they keep management. Taking L's, cash considerations for the guy seems to be a pretty big miss, uh, but. Counterpoint, a pretty huge hit for the Sun. So I agree, Ryan. I think uh, he is an early fan favorite in terms of everything he's doing. I, I think I tweeted out, I think it was first week, that he is going to be giving Mikhail a run for the money for the Dan Marley Hustle yep. Award. I think I saw that. I think Mikhail's going for a three-peat, which I, don't, I can't think off the top of my head of anyone else doing it. I'm guessing P.J. Tucker might be the last person to have been in the running for something like that. But yeah, he is the guy who's working his tail off. He almost is kind of like what I think some people wanted Dario to be the always in the right place, providing some offensive utility, very versatile on defense in terms of just knowing where to be at all times. But he's tall enough to actually use his post moves. Sorry, Dario. Don't mean to 
have some strays going your way. I've been incredibly impressed. I think at first I was worried that it was just the the general hype of a likable guy that works hard, but he's he's bringing some production for sure. Philip, what do you got for your high for the week? So I actually have the way that Jock is being used. I think he's being incorporated into Double the offense jock. Double extremely jock. well. Yeah, we call it the JJ special. Yep, we sure do. <laughs> <laughs> it's his birthday. You have to find that funny, Phil. Yeah, I really great, you didn't. You didn't help great me out joke, there, man. Ryan. Great yeah, joke. Ethan's uh, noted big birthday guy. So, for whatever that's worth, all right. Especially in the Clippers game, but I'll give an example from another game as well. Jock started off the Clipper game attacking the rim and the restricted area on his pick and rolls, which I think for those of us who just kind of look at Jock, it's a little surprising to say he's attacked the rim well early on this season. He just doesn't look like a guy who's going to have much of a presence inside, but he's done a really good job. And in the Clipper game, he started off in the first quarter, got a couple quick buckets underneath. So he was drawing a lot of attention when he was rolling to the basket. Then at 7-10 left in the second quarter, the Suns ran what looked like another pick and roll with Jock rim running towards the basket. But then, psych, it's not a pick and roll. It's the Spain action that they run. And because Jock, there had been attention given to getting Jock the ball down low, Multiple Clippers defender go with Jock as he's rolling. It left Landry Shamit wide, wide open for three. Easy bucket. And what I love about that is that play had been set up from the moment that Jock came in the game. Get him the ball down low multiple times. I think it was three times before that possession. Look for him on mismatches, and then you can use him as a decoy. Jock Landell got used as an effective decoy against the Los Angeles Clippers earlier this week. That's a wild sentence to say, but I, I love that. And then the other, the other reason he's really effective when he screen, when he screens for a guy like Chris Paul, the defense is trying to switch up the coverage. So there were a couple times when defenders, when Jock came up to screen, they were trying to ice Chris Paul in a certain direction, which means they're trying to force him away from Jock's screen. That's fine for the Suns right now because Jock's a good three-point shooter. So let's say a defender is trying to force Chris Paul to Chris's left. Jock's defender, whoever's screening, has to come down further on the court and help in case Chris tries a straight line drive. Jock can just float back out to Chris's right and be wide open for shots. And we saw that a couple times as well. So if you're going to ice, that's fine. He'll space the floor and take open threes. If you want to run traditional pick and rolls, if you want to try to switch on a guy like Jock, he's punishing dudes down low. And then he's incorporating well into sets that are really familiar for Suns fans. He's being used in as versatile a way as we've seen from a big off the Suns bench. And I would argue that he is markedly more versatile than Dario ever was. Boy, I love me a good transition. Gentlemen, there are opportunities that arise in your life that you just can't pass up. And sometimes that means switching your high and your just so you know, so that you can have a triple jock party. (laughs) So boys, we're going to have a triple jock party. Starting it off with... A little bit of a trivia question, and Philip already alluded to it. 
there was not too long ago a darling Phoenix Suns player who was known for his laughably high net rating, continuing <laughs> to lead the Suns in net rating, even when it seemed to make no sense. And who was that gentleman? Jalen. Uh, no, sorry, it was Darius Arch. You're correct. Darius Arch, the net rating darling, always first place on the team. It was while the bench mob was just obliterating everybody, he continued to improve. Now, I'm going to ask you, who do you think is number one in net rating on the Phoenix Suns right now? Given your skillfully executed segue, mm-hmm. I'm going to go Jock Landale. You are absolutely right. With an offensive rating of 114 and a defensive rating of 85, the boy <laughs> is turning out a 28.3 net rating. And now for the additional trivia, and you can use some context clues of his minutes, who are who are number two and three in net rating on the Suns right now? And I gave you a clue again. Tory Craig? He is not. Okay, okay. So it's okay. campaign, probably. Campaign is number three, and who is number two? Shamwell? Landry Shamit. That three man right now are the top three because when they are on the court together, they have performed incredibly well in those bench minutes. And the Suns as a whole, it's not like they're just doing okay with the starters and then kind of picking up the slack. Right now, they're first in net rating in the league, coming in at fourth on offense and fourth on defense, which I love. The only team in the top five in both, they are performing well on both sides. And Phillip, really hit it home in my opinion last episode as the one thing that stood out to him it was the defense just looks good the way they're handling who's doing what like the intensity where they're supposed to be that was kind of a bright spot that I also wasn't expecting and so it's just great to see that the whole team seems to be slowly figuring it out a lot quicker in the season than I expected and when all of us and I think a lot of the Suns Twitter world listener world in general we're ragging and dogging on the bench unit. And again, I still think we need some help come playoff time. It's good to see that they can sustain games and help them win when though every win is so big when it comes time for seeding, playoffs, and all that good stuff. So the bench mob in general, but mainly the triple jock, are high for the week. Ryan, we shift gears here. What is your low for the week? I'm actually not going to shift gears too much because you've brought. Is this it also one. Jock? <laughs> My low is no, but he was brought up in this conversation. My low is Dario Sarge's value. Um, oof, oof. And I don't mean that like offensively, but I my hope for Dario was that he would come back from injury, he would look maybe somewhat like his old self. Other teams would see something in him, and he would be a viable trade piece as we tried to make some moves later in this season. Right now, we are five games in, and his his stat block is all zeros. The dude isn't touching the floor. That worries me, not just for, for what he brings to the Suns, but the value that he brings from trying to bring somebody else to the Suns. Um, and that's a concern because he's on he's, – he's got a fairly, a fairly good deal for the Suns. It's not, it's not terrible – 
but it's terrible when you consider you're getting zero return value on him right now. Um, and so my low is just the, the concern I have for what that means for the future for, for him as a trade piece or for him as a piece of this team. Like what is the, the intent for Dario? Um, Cause I've even tried to, to look up to see if there's some sort of hidden injury that we're, we're missing or, or people are talking about that we don't know of. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. Maybe with Aiden out for the next week or so, he'll get some minutes and, and we'll see something. I don't know. But the dude played this summer. He came into camp, was was ready to, to rock for the season, and we're not seeing him. And so my low is just, that's a big question mark to me. And the Suns seem to be actively avoiding even talking about it. And that's curious to me as well. So that's just kind of my low. I think it's been a great week, so it's hard to point to anything really uh, the team has done that to me is just like a, that is that is something that stands out as a low, but I'm I'm worried about that, and that's something to me to to keep watching as the season progresses if he continues not to play at all. Philip, any thoughts on that one? No, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what to say about Dario other than it's it feels like he's a trade piece right now, and you're trying he, to keep your trade piece as healthy as possible. Right. The fact that he played in the first game, and the fact that he did at least put out some good film over the summer with the Euro tournament, like hopefully that's enough. Uh, but, but I agree. I think when you're looking at almost any Jay Crowder trade, mm-hmm. I would be stunned if Dario's not a part of it. And, and, you know, maybe they're just saying, let's not waste rotation minutes on a guy that we know not isn't going to be on our team by the time these minutes really start mattering. So, no, I agree. I, I think I do think that that is a bummer. Um, my my low is not anything groundbreaking. I hate seeing the injury bug come up early. Uh, DeAndre Ayton getting hurt on a I'm going to say a questionable Close out and contest from uh, Balanchunas. He did the Zaza Pachulia. He, he did. He stuck his very large size 15 shoe right underneath the landing zone. Everything we're hearing is ankle sprain out at least a week. If anything, I'm hoping that it allows Monty to maybe get looks at people in certain places that would have been harder to do while still making sure Aiton gets his. I'm trying to be optimistic about it, but I do hate that. Uh, you don't want giant, heavy seven foot men having ankle issues of any kind. So hopefully they're just playing it safe, being conservative with it. And and the big fellow will be back in no time. Philip, what you got? All right. I'll nitpick on one just for an actual low. Uh, Busy's not good enough to be a viable five in games that will eventually matter. Yep. His pick and roll defense isn't great i don't know how closely you guys were watching um james wiseman wiseman takes big steps his footwork is all off busy's footwork is a little better but he always feels like he's about a half beat behind on his pick and roll defense and then when you watch the offense when busy's on the floor it is noticeably more limited and the other team can just sink more towards the lane especially with whoever's guarding busy they don't have to guard him 15 feet and out. They don't really have to guard him at 10 feet. If, if a Phoenix Suns possession ends with busy taking that janky looking floater <laughs> that he has, I think the other team's going to take that pretty much every single time. Now in October, that is a nitpick of a nitpick. So he's just, he's not there. I think he's good to have as 
a big who you can put in DA's spot like tonight so that Jock can keep his chemistry with the guys on the bench. But it's got to be DA. It will always have to be DA for this team. Now, for a different kind of low, for a different kind of low, I thought when I went back and rewatched the Warriors game, I thought we got robbed of potentially a great finish to that game. When, when Clay got run, the Warriors, it looked like the wheels fell off the Warriors and it looked like it was going to fall off even before that, when Dre and Kerr got the technicals earlier in that quarter, it, it kind of had the feel of like, Ooh, this could be one of those like early season games that you remember. And when that doesn't happen, like blowouts are cool for the Suns, but I would have loved to see a barn burner that night just because I'm a nerd. And being a basketball nerd, getting to watch the Suns and Warriors head-to-head down the stretch of a game, that would have been the best. And I felt I kind of felt a little cheated as a basketball fan. So that was my low for the week. Oh, I'm I'm with you. I felt cheated that they cut the commercial when Clay was having his tirade. <laughs> I wanted I wanted more. Um, I will say I'm pretty happy with how the Suns handled that incident. Yeah. When a lot of that is is being said to you, directed to you. I know this is this is silly stuff, but when you talk about that player that makes the that big step to the next level, I thought Devin could not have handled that any better. Everything was answered by his play. He didn't really retaliate on the court to any extent. I mean, I don't think he got teched up, got a tech at all. And then even in the post game, straight off the win, handling the interview as well as he did, and then the presser. I was really impressed. Like that is that is a good sign for things to come when you can just imagine an event like that happening in a game six or a game seven, and any one technical foul free throw could swing it. Uh, I was I was pretty happy with that campaign. He still might get in a fight, but other than that, that's uh, false. Tory Craig might get in a fight. Campaign would be there saying things behind him, but Devin handles himself well. Uh, I love it. Oh boy, guys, no pressure here. But it's the birthday boys, just so you know. This is, I'm pretty sure, what he's been getting prepped for for the last 365 days. Ryan, what is your just so you know in Phoenix Suns basketball? My just so you know does actually go 365 days back. Let me give you guys a little history. Yes. Last season, the Suns opened up with a loss to the Denver Nuggets on October 20th. They would go on to start the season one and three. And then a year ago tonight, October 30th, they played against the Cleveland Cavaliers and won 101 to 92. So 365 days ago today, a year ago today, do you know what made that game so special? Was it that they didn't lose again for a very long time or something like that? That is exactly right. One year ago today started the 18-game win streak that went on to lead the Suns to an incredible record-breaking season. And so I try and put that in context to think that was an, a pretty rough start by all accounts to go one and one and three to start the season. And here we are sitting pretty at four and one. Do I think we are destined for the same kind of record this year? No, but my just so you know, is just look at the way last year started and what happened. Enjoy where we are now and know lots of great things are still on the horizon. It's going to be a fun season. Also, 
Black Black Adam is the most average movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, hey, I'm all for you just giving some Ryan tidbits at, on any just so you know. It doesn't even have to be your birthday. I I, I tried last year. I kind of got a me, little hey, out of hand. Me, no, no, no. That's what people come back for. Give me a 30 second synopsis of a Dwayne the Rock Johnson bad guy superhero flick for something if if black adam is being painted as the rock's passion project and if that's his passion project the dude needs a new passion it was the most lifeless performance i've seen in anything from the rock it somebody on tiktok described it as aggressively average and i was like that's the most accurate interpretation of this movie uh wait for it to come on hbo now not worth going to see however in imax it was kind of cool because it is very violent and actually wow I'm your 30 flex. seconds imax flex on us peasants with normal uh, movies i live in a big city year. now what can i say dude I, I get it i get it well uh philip any movie reviews or basketball related things for your just so you know no i'm gonna i'm gonna go with two just so you knows number one don't take any moral advice from nba players <laughs> Let me let me start with two examples. One needs a little bit of explanation and one needs none. One just needs a name. Number one, LeBron James. Oof. He he Oof. said that he could no longer be a Cowboys fan because of morals, because <clears throat> they did not they worked against players kneeling during the national anthem. So what does he say then? Therefore, okay, so morals bad, can't root for cowboys, therefore. Browns fan now. Excuse Bro. me. Morality led you away from the Cowboys into the loving arms of the Cleveland Browns who welcomed oh, oh yeah, it was Deshaun Watson into their ranks and gave him the biggest guaranteed contract in NFL history. Don't take your morality from King James. The other one, you just get a name. So I don't rant. Kyrie Irving. Have you, have you seen what they're calling him on Twitter? QAnon Ellis. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, that dude is such a clown. Go read don't, an actual book, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, don't don't take more your uh, moral standing from NBA players. So Any if I'm them, not mistaken, he tweeted a link that led you to a place to buy or rent a, a, a movie with uh, anti- semitic messaging correct it, bingo that's the that's the simple version how would they have responded if it was a link to black adam tickets would they hate him for that ryan <laughs> i mean i would the movie okay well there we go that <laughs> that's all i care about if that would have made you mad and call him a clown i'm all for it ethan's um, adding ethan's adding an addendum he said don't take moral <laughs> advice or film advice from nba players absolutely. hey i have a real one Okay. I have a real, just so you know, big fan over here of the Mikhail Chris Paul pick and roll. I like it a lot. I think it is, it is full of potential this season. And the one that was the dagger against the Pelicans, DA obviously wasn't even in because it was late in the game against the Pelicans. Cam brought it up and they got just some really basic action going where Cam and Booker kind of at the same time fanned out to the two corners. As that was happening, Mikhail came up, set a pick and roll. Mikhail slipped. Chris got him the ball in a great spot. 
Busy's defender came over easy alley oop to Bismack Biombo. That Mikhail being the playmaker with a head of steam going downhill with how good he finishes at the rim. And I trust his decision making because there's a world in which defenders collapse from the corners. I trust him to fan the ball to the corners as well. I like it. I like it a lot. Another thing for Suns fans to watch. All right. Well, mine, just so you know, which originally was a high, but sometimes the triple jock must take precedent. Black Adam? Nope. Ah, not it. Um, I wanted to share a stat line with you. This is from New Orleans against Phoenix. Devin Booker, 6 of 14 from the field, 0 of 4 from 3. Yikes. That's a rough game. 16 points. They ended up winning, but you got to be concerned. Now, remember, we're in a pretty small sample size in terms of the amount of games played, yet he has been so stinking good that even after a stinker, he is averaging these shooting splits, 51.5 from the field, 41.4 from three, 89.5 from the free throw line, but I mean, that's to be expected. He literally, 20% of the games basically... Just that's a stinker, yet he's still putting up those numbers with one horrible game. And then on top of it, if you don't mind me toot, toot, tooting my own horn real quick, the stat that I have loved the most is that he is currently averaging almost two and a half more free throws a game on average than last season. And look, in the in a world of people hearing my my ideas and and attributing to me, it's never gonna happen. But I've seen two different people within the Suns media world write articles about this very same thing. And one day on the bottom, it's going to be like, this was prediction, predicted and mentioned by Into the Valley Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Brightside Podcast Network. Until that happens, I will just have to make sure, much like Cam Johnson Thursdays or Wednesdays or whatever day he was magical, we got to make sure that we, uh, we take our victory laps. Philip had a great one with Damian Lee. We gotta, we gotta make that happen. I think we're all possibly gonna take a Jock Landell victory lap, given that we assessed the preseason and have pretty much called what happened so far. We're at the forty-minute mark, so we can say things and people won't actually listen or care. Uh, Ryan, I need to know, just so I know, have you had mm. a good birthday? It's been great, man. It's been great. Good. Do you want to do you want to tell the folks uh, what 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 I got you for your birthday? Because it sounds dumb, but I know you like it. Uh, yes, I'm very excited. Uh, Ethan, the good brother he is, knowing my interests, uh, got me the Batman cowl Lego set, yeah, which boy. I am eagerly anticipating putting together next weekend. I'm very excited. It's like a Funko Pop that you build yourself and is much bigger. I can't wait. Pretty excited, and uh, Philip. Well, was was Lydia able to uh, talk to talk to Ryan for his birthday? She sang me a great rendition of "Happy yes. Birthday." Love it, man! I love it. I'm I'm glad you had a good day, Philip. I'm glad that you have the cutest kid in the whole wide world. To any listener who has a kid, I'm very sorry, but <laughs> your kid's ugly. That nothing will change my opinion on this one, uh, guys. I am glad we get to talk. If you are going to be listening to this, more than likely. After Sunday evening, we will talk about tonight's Rockets game. Next episode that we record uh, next weekend. Did want to give you just a quick heads up as to what's coming up this next week and kind of give us an idea of what we will be talking about uh, come next episode. So 
looking ahead, we officially get into the month of November. We've got the Timberwolves Tuesday night on TNT. And then Friday, we play the Trailblazers again. And Saturday, we play the Trailblazers again. So that is going to be three games against Portland within the first three weeks, which is super weird. I'm guessing there's a good reason for it, travel schedule-wise. But we've got tonight's Rocket game. Then we'll have T-Wolves, Blazers, Blazers. We'll be coming at you with everything you need to know about those games. Gentlemen, anything that you need to add before we call it a wrap? Are we making predictions? Oh, we can make some predictions. We did really great last time. <laughs> All right, Philip, you're throwing up, we're throwing up the hand gestures. Share it, share it with the listeners. What you got? Green one. Do you want to? Do you want to guess the one loss? In a word, no. All right, I like I like the lack of uh, commitment. Ryan, what about you? Uh, three and one. We're going to split with Portland. No Dame. I'm I'm going to go. Ooh. I'm going to go Brandon, three. And... We're up nine at half. If you haven't checked the scores, we're currently up nine at half oh, as a recording I, shoot, against the Rockets. Shoot. If we lose to the Rockets tonight, I'm going to be very upset. Just providing some additional context. I'm going to go three and one with a loss to the T-Wolves. Mm, the because because I, I think there's a chance that with their very large new version of a lineup and no DeAndre Ayton, I think it'll be interesting. I think Anthony Edwards is going to get to the rim very well. And if they play the way they normally do, uh, could give the Suns some trouble down low. So we'll I, see. I can't wait to watch Jacqueline Dale and Busy on the court at the same time on Tuesday. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm a barf. All right, before we before we call it, I want to give a quick shout out to the Utah Jazz. If you have not been watching or hearing or keeping up with the Utah Jazz, I want to say shout out to you. The whole world said you were gonna suck. That you should sell all your players and you're gonna draft high. And you said, no, thank you. We love playing good, hard-nosed basketball and beating teams. I know we as a Suns fan base typically hate the Jazz, so I saved it to the very end. Awesome story. The Cavs are fun. Good. There's a lot of good teams right now, guys. Like If you are listening and you're only watching Suns basketball, totally get it. Dip your toe in. I know we've got a TNT game Tuesday. There's probably a game before that. Watch some hoops, guys. Watch some hoops. There's a lot of good stuff going on these first couple weeks. A lot of great young talent. Houston's got some tonight as well. But all right. I think that is a wrap on episode 70-something. Any final word, Philip, before we call it? Go sign. Skull Vikings. I am Ethan Shutt. And for Philip Russell and Ryan Shutt, this is Into the Valley of Phoenix Suns Podcast. We out. Happy birthday, Ryan. Thanks, my boys. 